0: following message was preached at flint hill baptist church we would love for you to join us on sundays for life groups and worship or on wednesdays for adult bible study kids and youth activities for more information visit Flinthill.net. and i would i guess just encourage you i've been sharing a message live like jesus for several weeks now today is is um uh, I think a message is so dear to the heart of God. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I fail at, uh, at, at titles of messages. I mean, good night. I, you know, I probably labor over what I'm going to title some message more than y'all even remember. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I've, i I've been, I've, I've had great moments of the Lord and meaningful moments in the Lord. And I can't ever remember what the preacher preached. I'll be honest with you. Um, and, uh, but our boy, but when the Spirit gets hold of your heart and changes your heart, touches your heart, I mean, you can't, there's no mistake in that. You, those are memorable moments that the Lord allows us to, to know. Uh, the title, that being said, the title of this message today is Cultivating an Intimate Love for the Father. Last week, I'm not re preaching that message, but you know, Jesus said the greatest thing that you're ever going to do with your life is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Uh, Mark added the words of strength to that. He quoted the Shema of Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 5. And, uh, and, and there's make no mistake, from the very beginning of Genesis through Revelation, it's about an intimate, personal, passionate love relationship with your Heavenly Father. Jesus came, died, and rose again on a cross because He loves you. He demonstrated His love for you. And, and by, by coming through the blood of Jesus and beginning a new life with Christ, friend, it's not something to be distant or cold or calloused, but God... Always intended His people, go back to Genesis in the beginning, to walk with Him in a very intimate knowing of Him personally. To be able to call upon His name and hear from Him. To walk with Him in a, in a way that was just real, sincere, tangible. That I could hear from Him and Him hear from me. And it was this communion, that's the word. I mean, we've digressed to a, a moment and we will have a communion service before Easter. But it's not meant to be a service, it's meant to be a lifestyle In fact, I would submit to you today, it's the normal Christian life. It's the biblical Christian life. is to walk with the Lord intimately and personally. I used the words this morning, cultivate. Some of y'all probably know that word. But it means to prepare or uh, or prepare and use. Uh, It's often used in the words of of raising crops in agriculture. Some of y'all might be farmers. Some of y'all might be growers. Some of y'all might do that. Well, friend, you're not going to get much seed out of the ground unless you cultivate the soil. Is that right? I mean, I'm not much of a farmer, but I know this much. If it's hard and callous, that seed is going to lay on top, and the birds going to come around and eat it up. Um, so it has to be cultivated and prepared. That's the Word. Now, the good news, there is some work, and there's some work for me and you to cultivate our hearts before God. No doubt about it, we have responsibilities before the Lord to cultivate this heart of ours. Why? Because you're not going to have intimacy with the Lord. You're not going to love Him personally and passionately if your heart is not... Prepared. In fact, I almost preached the parable of the four soils. That'll probably come in a later time. The truth is, if your heart is hard, if your heart's hard, then the Word of God will not penetrate that heart. It won't grow and flourish. I mean, that's the whole imagery there in that, that parable. The soil is critical to growth and maturity. And when we talk about cultivating it, it's a work on my part, but it's also a work on the Holy Spirit's part. I hope this morning, I hope this morning you heard from the Lord as we worshiped Him and called Him holy, holy, holy. That God was just digging up some of that roots. I mean, I'm telling you, man, God is so good. He is so good. And let me say this, please hear me. I know I may be speaking a foreign language up here today to some of you, and you're like... Preacher, I don't know what you're talking about being intimate with the Lord, but friend, I want you to hear me. Just because you have never heard it, you never felt it, or never walked with Him that way, I, it doesn't mean it's not true. I'm telling you, Jesus died and rose again that we might know Him personally in the power of His resurrection. It's not some pipe dream. It is real and personal. It doesn't mean you don't struggle. It doesn't mean you don't have days or seasons of difficulty, friend. We know that. But if there's anything our God is, He is a personal. God, who personally loves me and you. And let me say this, He wants me and you to be intimate with Him way more than we understand that. So what do I mean by intimacy? I mean, by definition, it means a closeness between people and personal relationships. It builds over time. It's a connection that you have. It's a growing of the capacity to grow, to care about each other, to feel more and more comfortable with each other during your time together. Uh, Kevin Blackwell and Randy Norris, I don't know if you know these fellas, but anyway, they, Randy Pastors down the road at the Station Church, and him and Kevin, Kevin's at Sanford, actually, I don't remember his title. But these guys I used to run with back in youth ministry days a long time ago, back in the 90s, the mid-90s. Some of y'all were just babies, some of y'all weren't even born back then. Um. But anyway, God has led them to write a book on cultivating disciple-making. And anyway, the term intimacy, they define this way, refers to what the depth of our relationship with the Father through Christ. Our intimate relationship with Christ brings nourishment to our soul. I hope, I hope and pray. Maybe this morning, God was just so overwhelming me this morning with His goodness, His mercy, His grace. And yes, as we sing. Holy, holy, holy God was just so wonderful in embracing my heart this morning. Why? Because that intimate relationship brings nourishment to my soul. Friend, I love devotions. I'm a devotional junkie, quite honestly. I read multiple ones all the time. And I'm grateful for the contemplative, that's a fancy word, devotional reading of the Scripture. It's been around a long time. Go back to David and read the Psalms. Man, we sing them today. They sung them back then. David wrote them. Why? Because he was personal. He was intimate with his heavenly Father. Way back before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. God has always been this way. But read the Word of God. Sing the Word of God. And what happens? God nourishes my soul. Blessed be the name of the Lord this morning. God never intended my heart to grow cold or barren, hardened, calloused. Full of anxiety, stress, fear, whatever you want to. Know. God never intended our hearts to be filled with that, but to be filled with His presence, which cast out all fear, which roots us in a love that surpasses knowledge and a peace that passes all understanding. It is amazing. He is amazing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Nourishes our soul. And you know what else it does? It makes my identity in Christ become alive and vibrant and joyful. Those are wonderful words. Alive. To be alive in Christ. This is biblical. You know that. To be dead in my sin. But thanks be to God, through Christ, I've been made alive. 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 Good night. Lord, help us. Let our testimony today, when we walk out these doors and go to the light room, that I'm alive in Christ today. Hallelujah. Not just on Sunday, Lord. God, help me on Monday to be alive in Christ. Lord, there's people that need to see Jesus in us. These words alive and vibrant and joyful. For some of you might be going, oh, pastor, that's just you. No, it's not. Please, it's not. Who am I? Please, God, help us not to define a relationship by what we see or the culture around us, but by the word of God and by the spirit of the living God that resides within each of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blackaby, I quote him often, he said anything spiritually significant that happens in our life, you know what, is a result of God's activity in us. God is way more infinitely concerned about our life and our relationship with Him than we could ever possibly be. I can guarantee you that today. But here's the truth, if anyone who ever enters into an intimate relationship with God can see the Lord do exceptional things through their life. The outcome does not depend on a person's being unusually gifted or educated or wealthy. No, the key is the indwelling presence of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Personal, passionate, intimate, living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I use my words carefully this morning. I hope you're here in church. Intimacy, intimacy is what God desires for me and you. You know, there's a word God put in my heart some months ago uh, for this year, for 2023. And it was restoration, reconciliation. I know I get all a little fired up sometimes, but please hear me. I hope you're listening. Friend, if you feel distant from the Lord today, if you feel like me and your life and your life in Christ is not what it used to be or was or is. Now, I want you to hear me. God is in the business of restoring and renewing and reconciling his people back to himself. And I'm so grateful. Long before what happened on the college campuses, God began to speak in my heart. I don't think it's just me. I think it's all throughout this world. God is in the business of pursuing his people. How do I know that? Jesus told the parable. He left the 99 to go find the one. You might be the one this morning. I mean that sincerely. If that's you today, my, 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 my encouragement to you and to all of us here today is that, praise be to God that, that, that you can, you can, you can know God personally and passionately. And yes, maybe once, once upon a time in your life, maybe you can look back and say, man, the fire was burning brightly in my heart for the Lord, burning intensely for the Lord. I was passionate for the Lord. But if you were honest today and very vulnerable, you would say, man, it's not burning quite near as bright as it used to. I can almost guarantee this. God didn't move. God hasn't changed. I can almost, please, I'm not, listen, take it how you want. Our hearts shifted away from the Lord. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Um, Jeremiah uses the potter and the wheel in the scripture. What is the clay's responsibility? in the potter's hands. You ever thought about that? I don't know if the clay ever rises up and tells you his responsibility or not, but if you're a good piece of clay, what's your job? What'd you say? That's right. Stay put. Now, I know that seems silly, but I'm telling you, listen, when you're in the hands of your father, he can shape and mold. things haven't changed uh, it's the same today as it was yesterday so let me encourage you today friend if you're today and you're here and you're saying pastor i man, i'm not where i used to be all right praise be to god come on back you know i, I will tell you that <clears throat> the lord's call to you is to come unto him all you who are heavy laden and burdened. and the lord said matthew 11 20 i the lord will give you rest but you got to come when the clay realizes they're not formed like they used to be or all of a sudden something's wrong, then you come back to him. That's what that's the whole essence of renewal and restoration. I mean, how dare us tell the Father how He wants to shape our lives? But we have to humble ourselves and come back to Him. I, I believe God's calling us back to him. I mean in a very simple way, personal way. I, I'm, I, can, I can tell for every person here today, every person that hear this recording in the weeks to come, you're hearing this for a reason. God is calling all of us back to Him. Personally and intimately. Now, I want, I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to share with you as quickly as I can. And I know I'm going to share some big chunks of things here. And maybe I should take longer on them. I don't think so. I think God wants me to share them with you. And then you can take and chew on them. And you can seek the Lord. And you can you can take this word. And... Uh, And let God do in you what I believe God wants to do in you. I'm going to share with you four keys, if you're making notes, to cultivating intimacy with the Lord. And I use my words very carefully, cultivating intimacy. I believe that's what God wants, God desires for me and you, is to cultivate intimacy with Him. So in John chapter 15, I mean, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. I'm going to move to a couple passages of Scripture. But in John chapter 15, the first thing you see it on the screen is to abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Now, the word abide means to remain fixed, stable, or consistent. Again, uh, uh, Randy and Kevin, in their little book, they says, look at this, Notice, notice says the, uh, Jesus says the words abide in me, not abide with me. The little nuance is this, Jesus anticipates our intimacy with Him to be so spiritually deep that it leads to us to a oneness or unity in Christ. In other words, Christ doesn't command us to come and hang out with Him a few minutes each day or each week. The invitation to come to Christ is way much deeper and way more personal. And the word there is to abide in Him. In John 15, beginning in verse 4. In the NIV it says, remain. That's the word means to abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit. Unless you abide in him. He goes on to say, Jesus says, I am the vine and you're the branches. He's defined our relationship with him. He says, if a person abides in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me. well, you ought to underline that in your Bible and highlight it. Boy, I'm so guilty sometimes, right? Just assuming what the Lord wants me to do so guilty god forgive me of that lord apart from you i can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is like a branch that is is thrown away and wither such branches are picked up thrown in the fire in other words they're useless if we're not intimate with the lord if we're not abiding in christ if we're not cultivating intimacy then we're useless to the hands of the lord and to the kingdom of god don't get me wrong we'll take up space we'll be religious and we'll do certain things and we'll feel pretty good about ourselves but in the eyes of the kingdom in the eyes of our savior we're about worthless We're like that dry, withered up little branch. It's no good. Just throw them in the fire. It's of no use. But he says, If you abide in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Church, I mean, God God has a plan for us. Christ has a plan for us. And it's to abide in Him, to cultivate this intimacy with Him. Let me uh, just share with you just a couple words. I like... Devotions. Andrew Murray, Charles Spurgeon, a couple of guys you probably have already heard of from, from a while back. But Andrew Murray wrote a book a long time ago called Abide in Christ. And in this book, he, he talks about this abiding in him. Uh, and in fact, he goes on to say this, this whole concept was not to refresh you for a few short hours after your conversion. I don't know how many of you, if I, we don't have time this morning for you to testify about your conversion to Christ when you came to faith in Christ. I assume that some of y'all felt a relief your sins were forgiven. I hope so. I mean, some of y'all might have brought a, whole, brought a whole lot of sin to the Lord, you know what I'm saying? My, like that lady, you know. And you might have wept before the Lord and said, Thank you, Jesus. You know, completely you fi- healed me and forgave me of my sin. But, but he goes on, he says, It wasn't just to refresh you a few short hours after your conversion with the joy of his love and de- deliverance, and then send you away to wander off in sadness and sin. That was not the intent. He said he had something greater, something better. He prepared for you an abiding dwelling with himself where your whole life and every moment of it might be spent, where the work of your daily life may be done, and where all the while you might be enjoying oh, the unbroken communion with the Lord himself. Oh, Charles Spurgeon, he was a what, prince of preachers. I certainly can't preach like him. He used words... Anyway, he made a comment talking about this abiding in Christ. And he, uh, uh, he illustrated it as, a, as like being wedded to your beloved. And he says, be not content with an interview now and then. That's what he's talking about. Like just having a little conversation every now and then. He said, don't be content with that. But seek all, always to retain his company. For only in his presence thou hast either comfort or safety. Jesus should not be unto us a friend who we call upon now and then, but one with whom we walk evermore. Abide in Him. Cultivating intimacy with the Lord means to abide in Him. Second thing is this. is to be Holy Spirit-led. Holy Spirit-led. In uh, John's Gospel, go back to chapter 1. I know I'm turning a few pages here. Stay with me. Oh, my goodness. John chapter 1. Uh, in verse 32 through 34, he, he, in, in this passage, John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down. This is at his baptism. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize. This, you know, he's talking about his calling with water told me, Hey, the man whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will, be, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So at the very beginning of his ministry, the Spirit of God comes, remains on him. It's a commissioning of Christ in his baptism. And then later on in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, we see this. Let me get here real quick. Luke chapter 4 in Luke's Gospel. After, uh, After his commissioning, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. We see throughout Jesus' life that he was led by the Spirit of God. Now, look, let me say this. When when I talk about live like Jesus, I know some of y'all are going, well, that's Jesus. And like it's kind of default mechanism for us, like, well, you know, that's Jesus. Uh, I'm not Jesus. And we know that. We know you're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus for sure. But Christ has given us a model to follow. He illustrated for us. What does it mean to have intimacy with the Lord? It means to abide in him. It means to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Now we know this, uh, the scripture teaches us in Luke 4 that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit, sent by the Spirit, did miracles by the Spirit, preached in the power of the Spirit, rejoiced in the Spirit, gave instruction through the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to hear the words of the Lord this morning. May God open the ears of your heart. To hear and receive. John chapter 14 verse 12. He's having a conversation with the disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. Can we pause there just a moment? What has he been doing? Preaching the gospel. Leading the captives. Setting them free. Miracles abound. I mean, just over and over again, this incredible life that he's lived. Now, hold on, hold on. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. That right there is enough to pause and say, Oh, Lord. He goes on to say, please hear these. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So ask me. For anything in my name, and I'll do it. What a beautiful testimony. Jesus was spirit-led. He wants us to be spirit-led, and it's all for the glory of God. I hope you're hearing the word of the Lord this morning, church, and listening to this. Matthew chapter 4, number number three. You want to cultivate intimacy? It's real simple. You got to get in the word of God. And I, I'm so thankful several of y'all have shared with me. I mean, just the Spirit of God has led you to read the scriptures. And I would submit to every one of us, if you've never read the New Testament and you call yourself a Christian, you ought to get into the Word. Start Matthew chapter 1, read two chapters a day, you'll be through it in three months. When you get through it, you know what you're going to do? do it, read it again. This next year, you ought to be reading it three or four times through. Now, I'm saying to you that as a dear friend and a pastor. Now, you might be going, why are you putting it on me this morning? But I'm telling you. You claim to be a Christian, but you don't know the Word of God, you don't know the teachings of Christ. Good night, help us, Lord you got to be grounded. How do we, why do we know this? Jesus modeled in Matthew chapter 4, you see the temptation of Christ. Every time Satan came to him, what did he do? He refuted him with Scripture. Over and over again, he quoted the Word of God. Dan Spader made this statement. He said Jesus spent time in the Word of God. Eighty times in the Gospel, Jesus quotes more than 70 chapters in 24 different books of what we call the Old Testament. He didn't question the authority of God's Word or even the historical accuracy but rather he revered them and believed them. In fact, y'all know the story in Luke chapter 2. Jesus, uh, uh, they've, come to the, they've come to do Passover as family, uh, and, and he le- the family leaves. Now, you can say, well, how can a family leave their child behind? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Now, look, well, my mom is here today, but, you know, don't tell her. If I say, there was a time I got left at the ballpark, and you know that. I mean, we, t- we, we laugh about that story. We laugh about that she thought dad had me, and she thought, but anyway, that's another story. But my point is, it happens, right? You can leave a child behind. But in, in, this, in this case, in the Passover, see, we, we have a misunderstanding. There were thousands and thousands of people pilgriming to Jerusalem. So they got finished with the Passover, and they're all leaving. It's like a herd of people leaving. And this little 12-year-old boy's running around, Jesus, and they're like, oh my, he's around here somewhere. They get to wherever they're going that night, and he's not there. They're looking all over for him. It's three days later, they come back to Jerusalem. They're trying to find him. Where is he? He's up in the temple. He's having this conversation, I mean, you, you know, with, with, with the leaders and all this. And the, and the parents come and get him. And, and, and they're like, What are you doing here? He says, Don't you know I need to be in my father's house? The scripture says in Luke two fifty two. he says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. It was 18 years later he would begin his earthly ministry. 18 years. We don't know everything that happened during those 18 years, but I can almost guarantee you he was in the Word of God. I mean, you don't quote from 24 different books and all these passages of Scripture just just by osmosis. Man, you got to spend some time. I mean, we're trying to do this on Wednesday night with a few words. Man, he spent some time studying the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. Why? Because you have to be grounded in the Word of God if you're going to have intimacy with your Heavenly Father. Look, some of y'all have been with me on Wednesday night. And I know some of y'all were thinking, are we ever going to get to another memory verse? I know, I know. See, I was just waiting for everybody to get it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Y'all, y'all know, some of y'all know that. I know I'm not going to call you out this morning. But some of y'all remember the memory verse that we stuck on forever. Even this week, even this morning. How important is the Word of God? The Scripture says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is what? Living. An active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Penetrates the dividing soul and spirit. Joints tomorrow. Judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation. That means me and you is hidden from God's sight. I don't know how you're going to take this, but everything will be uncovered or laid bare. I think King James uses the word naked. You all going to get naked before God. Before the eyes of Him, why? To whom we must give an account. God's Word penetrates our heart, softens the soil of my heart like nothing else. Howard Hendricks said this, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. In fact, you're either in the Word and the Word is conforming you into the image of Christ or you're in the world and the world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. If we're going to be intimate with the Lord, we've got to be rooted and grounded in the Scripture. The last thing is this, number four, prayerfully dependent. In Luke chapter 3, I mean, I go, to, I go to the Scriptures, to the Gospel in Luke chapter 3. We see that in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as He was praying, the heavens opened. What's interesting is this is the beginning of His ministry. Some, sometime later, Luke chapter 23. I mean, we got just a handful of years later. Here He is, Luke chapter 23. Let me get there, my little Bible. Verse 34. What does he say? Hanging on the cross. Forgive them. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Later on in verse 46, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. At the very beginning of his ministry and at the very end of his life, he's praying. And everywhere in between, he is praying. In fact, The scriptures record 33 different instances where Jesus took time to pray. He began it and ended his ministry in prayer. Ian Bounds made this statement. He said, you know what the church needs today? We don't need... He used this word. We probably wouldn't use this word. He said, we don't need more machinery or better machinery. What in the world is that? What are we talking about? He's talking about new organizations or methods or, or all these things. He said, we don't need more methods and methodology. We need men and women whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men and women of prayer. Mighty men and women of prayer. He said, the Holy Ghost doesn't flow through methods. It throws through, flows through men and women. He, anoints, he does not anoint plans, but He anoints men and women of prayer. I wish I could tell you there's another way, but the only way to be intimate with the Lord is to be prayerfully dependent on Him. You know, I am so grateful that God is calling us at Flint Hill to pray. And I know you're saying, "Man, we always pray." I know we're, but God is helping us to become more strategic in prayer. Long before this out working of His Spirit on these college campuses, God put it in my heart to. And I know Bruce shared this a long time ago, but God already put it in my heart to gather up the men in this fellowship. To gather. Now we call it a men's prayer breakfast. Now I don't know what you've done in the past. But we're going to pray. Now I know we're going to eat. I'm assuming that's going to happen. And you're all welcome. Whether you're a member of this church. A student. Adult. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Come on. But we want to gather up and to pray. We really want to take time to seek the Lord together. Why? It's critical. Essential. To the work of the Lord. For some time. I know some of y'all are thinking. When are we going to get through the book of Ephesians? Well, I don't know. At some point. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, God calls us to pray. Go back and read your Bible. Specific ways to pray for one another. You go to Ephesians 6, and we're talking about being soldiers for Christ. And he concludes the entire letter, pray on all occasions, on all reasons. Continue, continue to lift up one another in prayer. It's so critical. You know, I'll remind you this morning, even in a sense of prayer in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Friend, if you're here today and you would say to me, Jay, um, I'm not intimate with my father like I used to be. But you know, you know. Listen, this isn't JJ. This isn't some preacher. I don't know your business. But you know in your heart right now that God is inviting you to come to him. Come back to him. All you who are weary and burdened, that's a mouthful. To live your life on your own, on your own strength, in your own ways in this life will get you wore out and full of burdens. The Lord is calling us to come back to Him. To bring everything to Him. And the glorious promise is that God will give us rest the absence of stress and anxiety. He will give us a peace that passes all understanding. He will give us an empowerment of His Holy Spirit. Father, as we come before You right now, God, as we sing this song of response, Lord, I pray right now, God, that You would so move on our hearts today. God, I so want more than anything more than just a song we sing some preacher preaching but god let your word let your word by the power of your holy spirit cut us to our hearts god i pray that you would enable us as your children god that we would just simply come come back to you come to you maybe come to you for the first time God, I, I just simply pray in these next moments, God, that you would just have your way. I earnestly pray, Father, be lifted up, be glorified, be exalted. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me, church. As we sing this song together, I want you to respond. Listen, I'm here. You need to come, come to the Lord, come to the altar, come join the church. Whatever it is God's doing in your heart, you come.